We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Chicago Bears select... Welcome to Picks for Pace, presented by The Bear Report, your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome to Picks for Pace, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report. My name is Andrew Freeman, and of course, I'm happy to be joined by my co-host, Usaid Koshal. Usaid, we are recording this episode on May 26th, it's a Wednesday here. It's crazy that we're about to be getting into the June month, uh, the month of June here. Uh, it seems like this offseason has been going on really quickly, especially since the draft uh, occurred pretty much a month ago at, at this point. It's kind of wild that we're getting to this point right now in the offseason. Uh, but how are you doing today, man? So uh, it's been a wild couple of weeks here, the past few weeks. It has, and it seems like forever ago since we last recorded. But I'm doing real well. OTAs are kicking off here. So we're getting the first look at the new rookies, not just Chicago, but all across the league, really, in their new uniforms, getting some work. And there's still a hell of a lot going on because you look at, I mean, we're recording this, like you mentioned, on Wednesday, May 26th, I believe. And the thing is, is that you look at the Texans. I mean, they signed their new preemptive or presumptive QB1, Davis Mills, to his contract. Meanwhile, you have all this drama that's going on in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers, who pictures have surfaced of him having fun in Hawaii. He made the appearance on Sports Center, But then the other side of it is Matt LaFleur, the head coach, mentioned in a press conference yesterday and saying that, Jordan Love has a long way to go. And then the Packers' top five wide receivers, they didn't show up to day one of OTA. So still a lot of news going on, even though it's supposed to be super slow at this time of year. 
Yeah, there's just a ton of drama in Packerland right now. And you know what? As as Bears fan, I'm all here for it. And there's nothing better than watching uh, some Packers for, I mean, some uh, drama for the Packers up there in Green Bay. Uh, but yeah, like you said, it's very interesting what's going on because as you mentioned, not only is Aaron Rodgers not showing up to their OTAs, which was kind of expected giving everything that has been going down between him and the front office this offseason, um, that wasn't surprising in the slightest there. But the fact that their top five wide receivers, then you talk about Devontae Adams, Marcus Valdez-Scantling, uh, Alan Lazard, among, among others, uh, you know, very surprising to not get that work in in the offseason program there. And that might just be a coincidence here. And, um, you know, it might just be a lot of nothing, but it also could be a sign that there is some, you know, trouble brewing uh, within Green Bay where those wide receivers, maybe they're not making it, maybe they're not making it known publicly, but privately they may be dissatisfied with all the drama surrounding Aaron Rodgers not potentially playing for the Packers uh, this upcoming season. And, you know, I don't know if that's necessarily an indictment on Jordan Love as a player. I think it's more so about the fact that, you know, Aaron Rod, if, if that's the case, that Aaron Rodgers is, you know, such a great quarterback, they don't want to play without him, which is understandable. You want to have that guy in your building for as long as past possible. If you're a wide receiver, you want to have the best quarterback possible throwing the ball to you. So, so that helps you in terms of getting numbers and um, hopefully getting another contract um, in, in the next upcoming years or so. So um, makes a lot of sense there. but. Yeah, sticking with, you know, the Aaron Rodgers situation, it was interesting because he was on ESPN uh, a few days ago, basically a quick interview, and he kind of kind of brushed over the situation a little bit here, but he kind of mentioned how pretty much a lot of what we already knew already. He didn't fly out say that, you know, he was looking to get traded or that, um, you know, he was definitely out, but the way he was talking a little bit, to me personally, it sounded like a guy – it didn't sound like a guy that was looking forward to being back with the Packers. It looked like a guy that was kind of looking back at his career because he was mentioning, you know, it's been a great 16 years here. I love the fans. I love my teammates. I love my coaches specifically left out the front office though, which is very key here. And that really is where all this stems here. And Rogers having a beef with the front office up in green Bay and, and how that's kind of trickled down to uh, the rest of their situation there. Um, and like I said before, it doesn't, with what he mentioned here, again, he did not flat out say that he is gone, but he said everything's on the table. It sounded a lot like a guy that was not planning on being back in Green Bay unless something drastic happens uh, in, the, in the near future. And I think every time you use the phrase, everything's on the table, you're basically saying, especially in the context of the NFL, what you're basically saying at that point is, yeah, I could return. But then also don't leave the possibility out of me retiring or me possibly getting traded. But the top five wide receivers not showing up, I think is just very interesting because again, those are guys that have been there for the last couple of years now. And the biggest name that sticks out is to me, Devontae Adams, because after the Packers moved on from Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams in his third season back in 2016 kind of really stepped up and I think he had like 10 or 11 touchdowns that year but he's become Aaron Rodgers best friend in this offense I mean they've been through the highs and lows together throughout the 2017 and 2018 years where the Packers didn't even make the playoffs but just really with Rodgers that sports center appearance you're right was very interesting because he knew he was on tv so he couldn't come out and just flat out be like hey look I I'm not going to come back and play for this organization anymore, but everything that's going on around the league kind of hints at it because you have the Packers 
but then you also have teams like the Broncos and Raiders and the Broncos are really interesting because usually when things like this happen, if they're not true players come out and just debunk them as complete rumors. I mean, look at what happened with Russell Wilson. That's was like a five or six week saga got absolutely shut down by the Seattle front office. And in some cases by Wilson, but then here you have Rogers who's pretty much said his whole attitude throughout this has been what you mentioned a couple minutes ago everything's on the table. And so I really think what's happening is he knows he's not going to be back. Denver's a strong landing spot because Denver has a Super Bowl ready roster. They just don't have the quarterback to do so yet. And so what happens, especially in June and the first two to three weeks of July, when things are kind of dead in the NFL, it's going to be really telling because all this talk could at that point die down or could really pick up steam behind the scenes. And you could see Rodgers get traded in August. Yeah, he kind of alluded to it. Some of this might just be that we're looking for something to talk about uh, during the dead months of the offseason here with, I mean, obviously OTAs are going on right now, but there really isn't much happening in the way of, you know, movement among players and um, actual news. So there is a bit of an element to we're kind of looking for something to talk about here with it. But I think there with, with smoke, there is fire here. And, you know, an important date to look at here. Uh, with all this is June 1st, because after June 1st, the Packers, they'll be get, able to get out of Aaron Rodgers' contract via a trade um, pretty cleanly here. They had to absorb a little bit of a dead money cap hit this year and next year due to the June 1 uh, release cap hold, whatever the cap mechanism basically that allows them to spread out the cap hit, the dead, dead money between this year and next year. Um, but still, I mean, that's still a significant take up there, but if they were to, uh, I believe, you know, looking at it here, if they were to just trade Aaron Rodgers now before June 1st, they would be absorbing all that dead cap hit onto this year. And that would be catastrophic for them, given that they don't have a lot of cap space right now. So that's a key date to look at here if the Packers are planning on trading Aaron Rodgers at, at some point here. Uh, it's coming up quickly, only in a few days. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens here. I, ultimately, I don't think this gets resolved until – later on in the offseason before the actual season actually begins. If you're the Packers, though, you cannot have this, um, you know, really span out into training camp, in my opinion, just because you have all this drama here surrounding the organization. And also you're trying to develop Jordan Love here. So what if Jordan Love, um, you know, isn't developing the way that you want him to? Now you're stuck in a situation to where Aaron Rodgers has all the leverage here for them. And he can basically say, like, hey, look, your quarterback isn't doing very well, that you drafted to replace me isn't performing up to expectations here. You have to give him basically all that I want now. And that puts him in a really bad spot. Or let's say Jordan Love is just fine, developing fine at that point. You know, what kind of return can you get for Aaron Rodgers at that point in the offseason there, right before the season begins? So ultimately, it's just a weird situation to have for them. And let's stem this back to Jordan Love here for a quick second before we kind of move on from this topic. But uh, this hurts, I think, in my opinion, if this is affecting the wide receivers not showing up to OTAs or um, not showing to volunteer um, organized activities here, I think that hurts in the development of Jordan Love just a little bit as well, just because you mentioned it. I mean, the only notable wide receiver at OTAs right now for the Packers is Amari Rogers, their rookie wide receiver who they drafted in the third round there. So, you know, it's a good thing that Jordan Love is getting experience and a little bit of chemistry with the guy who uh, is probably going to be there long-term for them as a wide receiver that they drafted. Uh, 
But with that said, he's not getting experience with Devontae Adams, who's going to be his number one weapon, assuming that Aaron Rodgers is gone within the year or two, um, assuming that. He's also not getting experience with other guys like Marcus Valdez-Scantling, uh, Alan Lazard, uh, some of these other guys that have had big roles, big prominent roles in the offense over the past couple of years that are not there at OTAs right now. Uh, that could really hamper Jordan Love and his development. And from what it sounds like there at Green Bay Packers uh, OTAs is that Jordan Love continues to be a bit up and down. And if we know anything as Bears fans, when that phrase is used about a quarterback uh, coming out of training camp or any organized offseason activity uh, for these teams, if you're using the phrase up and down uh, or reporter or report of up and down play from a player, especially at the quarterback position, we know that likely means that the player didn't look very good because that was used a lot for Mitch Trubisky. And it's really a nice way of saying that you know, other than a couple of nice plays here and there, the quarterback was really bad at tra- training camp right here. So I think that's you know got to be a little bit of a concerning sign, I think, for the Packers here looking at this thing uh, just from a short-term but even a long-term perspective here. Yeah, I think you, you ultimately look at this whole thing long-term and what's happening is it's just like, okay, so you have Jordan Love there, right? And he's under contract for what we know is four more, well, three, I should say three more years at this point, because they're not really, they might not even pick up his fifth year option if he just shows to be a very bad quarterback over the next three seasons. But it's just like, you're right. There's for head coach Matt LaFleur, right? There's nothing you can really do here because when you trade it up to draft Jordan Love, you did so under the assumption that Aaron Rodgers had whatever X number of years in his career. And, you know, to, go ahead and look at this entire situation. Like it's just super messy because not having your best wide receivers there hurts the development of your young quarterback. But then on top of that, your young quarterbacks basically thrust into a situation where you're not even sure if the, you know, best quarterback in Aaron Rodgers wants to be there and you're not and kind of mentor Jordan love. And then you're also not even sure whether, um, what the, you know, the real long-term implications are basically that this could blow over so badly in Green Bay that we could see a team that has made the NFC Championship two straight years now and been on the cusp of a Super Bowl appearance. Basically, we have to blow up and restart as soon as, like, next year because you talked about a lot of the young talent that Green Bay has. Dude, they have to pay some of those guys too, right? They're going to have to pay Jair Alexander. I mean, Darnell Savage is another one that they're going to have to continue – uh, pay and then a lot of their later round guys as well, like Alan Lazard and Equinemius St. Brown, have emerged just some pretty solid options. I mean, they just committed big money to Aaron Jones and they have AJ Dillon as well. Ultimately, man, it's just like the arrow for Green Bay at this point, it's not necessarily pointing up, it's just like pointing down, it's pointing sideways. Yeah, that's especially if Jordan Love does it pan out that the, the way that they think he can up there in Green Bay, and they've already wasted now a year on his rookie contract there, and they're probably going to waste, assuming that Aaron Rodgers does come back, they're probably going to waste another year on his rookie contract there where you can get that cheap quarterback play. And just looking at the Packers' cap situation right now, looking at 2022, you know, assuming that Jordan Love is their guy going forward, he's going to play for them in 2022 as their long-term starter there. You know, the Packers right now, they're $34 million over the seller cap in 2022, as projected right now. If they trade or cut Aaron Rodgers, you know, that's free of about 23 million there. So you're looking at like 10, 11 million still over the salary cap. They still have to pay Devontae Adams. Robert Tynion's going to be a free agent uh, next season. 
Uh, Marcus Valdez Scown's going to be a free agent next season. There's a couple other guys that are going to be uh, pretty notable there that they might need to resign or replace um, on their team. And you look at the situation, like I said before, they still haven't paid Devonte Adams, who's going to be demanding a huge extension. He's probably going to be, he's probably going to want to be the highest paid wide receiver in the NFL. Um, if he continues to have, if, if he has another year, like he did last season where he was just absolutely dominant um, in 2020. And then you look at, like you mentioned, some of the other guys, Jair Alexander, he's going to probably demand, you know, top tier quarterback money because he was the best quarterback in football, arguably out right up there with Jalen Ramsey last season. Uh, he's probably going to demand top dollar at his position for the cornerback spot. Elton Jen- Jenkins, uh, their offensive lineman, uh, he's one of the best offensive linemen in football. He's going to be demanding top dollar. You have Gary, you have Darnell Savage, like you mentioned. So uh, they are in a tough spot financially here. And getting rid of Aaron Rodgers helps with that. And getting Jordan Love on his rookie contract helps with that a little bit there for the next couple of years or so to kind of help that uh, situation out a little bit. But at the end of the day, they're still going to – we still don't know what Jordan Love is as a player. And if Jordan Love isn't the guy, so to speak, they're in a very tough spot because then they're paying a lot of old, old aging players, a lot of money. And they back quoted a lot of their deals too. So there's going to be a lot of dead money on the books for them um, in the next few years here. If some of those guys, you know, start to age or start to decline and um, injuries start to set in a little bit, it's going to be, it's a situation that's very volatile and it all depends on what happens here with Aaron Rodgers this off season and what development does Jordan Love have going forward here. So that's really what it comes down to for the Packers here. A lot of unknowns, a lot of question marks. Uh, at the end of the day, as a Bears fan, you have to kind of look back at it and say that, you know what, this may be, the pendulum might be swinging back towards us for once um, as Bears fans here a little bit, but uh, we never really know until the situation's over with. I, again, once again, if as long as Aaron Rodgers is in Green Bay, the Packers are going to be contenders. Um, that's really this, just the way it is at this point. So uh, if Aaron Rodgers works out with the Packers, that helps him significantly in the short term. Um, we'll see how that impacts him long term, though. But, yeah, it, it'll be very fascinating to see what they do with that, both this offseason and next offseason, because – uh, that really will change the course of their franchise uh, going forward. Some of the decisions that are going to have to be made uh, in the next couple of years. Yeah. Let me just add this on because you talked about backloading contracts. That was a bad decision on green Bay's part. And when you look at it, I mean, what teams really do is this is teams and players want front loaded contracts for two reasons, because the teams know that, hey, look, the lifespan of – we have to be – teams know, look, we have to be realistic. The lifespan of NFL players is very short depending on what position they play. Max two, guys will get through two contracts at least. I mean, the average is two contracts. There are obviously exceptions to every rules where you have players getting three contracts or sometimes even four depending on how long guys play. But the four contracts is more so for quarterbacks, but more so the minimum – or the average is about two to three contracts. And so teams have to be realistic here. The Packers were just not realistic because you basically pushed all this money into the future at the hopes of winning now with the assumption that everything was okay with Aaron Rodgers. Now it's not, now you're stuck. And then for players as well, I mean, players are going to get their money regardless, but players know that teams can cut us at any time because of injury risk and the language that's in the contract. So we want to get our money up front as well. And so really the general manager, Brian Gutenkist, who's been there since 2005 when Green Bay actually drafted Aaron Rodgers, 
this was kind of an aggressive win now approach by him. But the reality of the situation is that he also didn't account for, well, what happens if Aaron Rodgers wants out? And I know that some people are going to be like, oh, well, if you have a franchise quarterback, they rarely demand trades. But you also have to keep in mind, I mean, Aaron Rodgers has been there for 16 seasons now. They've made the Super Bowl once. They have gotten to the NFC Championship game multiple times. But the story of Aaron Rodgers' career will always be what if, because you do wonder, hey, what if he knocks off Seattle in 2014 or 15 when they had a 19-7 to lead and lost in overtime? What if the Packers knock off the 49ers in 2019 and then the Buccaneers in 2020? Then Aaron Rodgers' career is very different. But for the most part, it's just been the same old story over and over again. Yeah, absolutely. I think Aaron Rodgers has felt like with this entire process here that, you know, the front office hasn't done enough to support him during his career in Green Bay. And whether that's true or not, um, I personally think that's a very valid uh, concern of his to believe that the front office just hasn't done enough, especially this recent front office, especially last year with the way they just bungled their offseason uh, in 2019 going into 2020, um, you know, just playing for the future, basically, in that offseason. And it sounds like the Green Bay Packers, they want to control the situation here with Aaron Rodgers. They want to end his career on their terms. And Aaron Rodgers is saying, he's, he's pushing back essentially and saying, no, you know, I've done so much for this organization over the past 16 years or so. I want to end this on my terms. And so it's really a game of chicken right now. And who is going to basically blink first right now is really what it comes down to. I, I think Aaron Rodgers is not the type of guy who's going to falter first in the situation. The Packers are going to have to do something drastic here in order to keep him happy and want to stay in Green Bay for not only this season, but beyond if that's what the plan is. Um, if not, uh, we could be having a lot of uh, interesting conversations about uh, what is happening in Green Bay, uh, both in the present and going forward. All right, you said, I think it's a good time to transition to the topic of our episode today. We were lucky enough to sit down with Justin Mello, who works over at the Draft Network, does a lot of great stuff for the draft, uh, had a lot of interesting prospect interviews with some of these guys coming out of this year's draft, including some guys that were drafted by the Bears, such as Tevin Jenkins, uh, Newsom, uh, Snowden, Thomas Graham Jr., uh, some guys that you know can be very fascinating for the Bears going forward as we get into their OTAs here. So uh, what we're going to do here, uh, we, were able, we were lucky enough to sit down with him and talk with him about you know, not only the Bears draft class, but a lot about the previous 2021 NFL draft as a whole. So without further ado, let's get into that right now. Here is our interview with Justin Mello. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Joining us now on the Picks for Pace podcast, we've got the Drive Network's very own Justin Mello. He does some great work interviewing players. You can follow him on Twitter at JustinM underscore NFL. Justin, how's it going? Thanks so much for being on here. I'm doing well. Uh, pleasure's all mine. Thanks for having me on, guys. All right, so we're going to go and get right into it with our first question here. But, like, we have to ask you, I mean, the first things, you know, 
it's a non-Bears related question, but was <coughs> was there any prospect that you were surprised slipped as far as they did in the round one? I mean, in round one, that, that, that's tough. I mean, guys like Greg Rousseau, uh, you know, I know he didn't have the greatest combine, but I thought he had a chance to go earlier. Uh, I was more surprised by some guys who, who went as late as they did. Uh, guys like Brevin Jordan, you know, the tight end out of, out of Miami, I didn't think was going to go where he went. thought he was going to go about two rounds earlier. Uh, Demetric Felton, you know, exciting, elusive pass catcher out of UCLA, also went a lot later than I thought he would. And then one of the guys the Bears took, you know, Tevin Jenkins, I thought he was probably going to be a first round pick. Daz Newsom is another that the Bears ended up with uh, that went a lot, a little bit later than I expected him to. Uh, in terms of the first round, there really wasn't much that that shocked me uh, in terms of guys going later than I thought they would. I, I don't think that's the case at all. Uh, but but some of those uh, mid round to late round guys, certainly uh, Brevin Jordan comes to mind. Yeah, and kind of going on top of that there. Uh, you know, there are some prospects that had some slides that we kind of expected a little bit. So, uh, you know, which prospect had a major slide that you kind of expected and to kind of uh, counter with that? Was there anyone in the first round that you felt like was overdrafted at all in this draft? Uh, in terms of uh, a slide that I think we all saw coming, I think Tennessee's Trey Smith, you know, a guy that was the, that had a, a great college career until unfortunately ran into some medical issues. Um, I, I thought he would go late, and he did. You know, the Chiefs uh, snatched him up uh, on day three there towards the end. Uh, in terms of being overdrafted, I mean, it's probably the most popular answer, but I thought Alex Leatherwood, the tackle out of Alabama, that, that Vegas took there um, within the top 20, that was a bit of a surprise to me. I did not think Leatherwood would go that early. Uh, I did think he'd go early in the second, you know, uh, mid-30s perhaps, 33, 34, 35 uh, kind of range. But for Vegas to take him where they did, I think that was probably the biggest surprise of the first round. Yeah, Leatherwood's interesting because I think when you just look at that entire Raiders draft class in general, the biggest consensus that people have is that there were a lot of overdrafted guys. But, I mean, just a quick Bears-related question, or a couple Bears-related questions here, but you got the opportunity to talk to Tevin Jenkins, Daz Newsom, Charles Snowden, and Thomas Graham Jr. I mean, what's one word that you would use to describe those four players? Because the Bears value guys that are really high in character. Yeah, I think uh, in terms of high in character, the one that comes to mind is, is Thomas Graham Jr. Uh, I think we're going to look back on that pick as a steal uh, for the Bears. I think he's going to hit the ground running. He's incredibly smart player that's why I choose him when you talk about character just a guy that loves football has competed at the highest level and has put a lot of good things on tape has a ton of experience he's not the greatest athlete in the world and I think that's probably one of the reasons he uh, you know got picked on day three where he did uh, but I think he's so smart the football IQ is through the roof the route recognition his ability to match patterns and, and whatnot really impresses me on tape so re really good football player that I think is going to play in the league for a long time. I had a blast with Tevin Jenkins as well. Uh, that's a guy that I've kept in touch with since the draft. And he, he's a good dude and a really funny dude. You know, if you got a chance to read that interview of mine uh, with him, he, he's, he's an interesting guy and he's, he's a personality, he's a character. And I think the best quote he gave me that I'll, that I'll remember for a long time out of all these interviews that I did is I asked him, you know, what, what kind of changed for him? Uh, down the stretch when, when he became a, a top prospect. And he said that he spoke to, uh, you know, O-line coach, spoke to the strength and conditioning coach, 
And uh, I'm not going to curse on here, but they told him, you know, if he wanted to be an NFL player, that he had to start road grading mother efforts. Right. And that was the exact quote. And and that's what I did. He goes, that's what I went out and did. So really interesting guy. I think it's a great landing spot in Chicago. I was shocked that he got out of the first round. Uh, I'm a big fan of the player. He's tough. He's nasty. He's competitive. That's the type of offensive lineman I want on my team. Well, I have to ask you regarding Jenkins before I let Andrew go here, because you did mention you're like, hey, look, he does interact with a lot of fans on social media. He is a guy that's just overall a fun player. But do you think that Chicago moving him over to the left side of the offensive line is going to work out? Or do you think that his best fit is just at right tackle? Because Bears GM Ryan Pace was very hesitant, noncommittal, essentially dodged the question. When asked after drafting Jenkins, hey, what does the future of Charles Leno Jr. look like? And then lo and behold, 48 hours later, Charles Leno Jr. is cut, which means Jenkins is going to play on the left side. But can Jenkins succeed as a left tackle in the NFL? It's an adjustment. You know, I I think it's different for everybody. It's a question that I like to ask offensive linemen, you know, when when I speak to them and tackles. And and truthfully, I find uh, I almost always get a slightly different answer. You know, some of them will say, Oh, it's, it's not a big deal. You know, repetition, uh, I'll get used to it. Uh, you know, it's, 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 and other people will tell me, you know, it, it's like doing everything in reverse. I, I can't remember who it was now, but one tackle once told me it, it's like wiping your bottom with the opposite hand. You know, it's just not, it's not, it doesn't feel natural. It doesn't feel right. So, uh, you know, I, I, Tevin Jenkins strikes me as the kind of guy that's going to work really hard at it that I can say knowing him and, and speaking with him, I know that he's going to work his butt off. And I think he has the skill set to make the change. And sometimes it comes down to mentality. It really is like doing everything in reverse, right? It's you're doing the same things. You're just doing them in reverse, right? On the opposite side. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how he handles that. But because he, of course he spent most of his time there at right tackle at Oklahoma state, ideally, I think you'd like to keep him at right tackle, but it sounds like that's not really going to be an option for the Bears, right, with, with them moving on from Charles Leno Jr. I, I'm excited to see how Tevin handles that change. Yeah, and the goal, to back on that quote you kind of mentioned there, I think it was Josh Sitton who kind of mentioned that. Um, it's, a really, it's a really funny quote. But, yeah, I was able to uh, uh, be at the Oklahoma State uh, Pro Day when Tevin Jenkins, and you can just tell with, you know, when, during his Pro Day interviews and anything on that Zoom call, he was just a very – uh, you can just see the type of personality that he has. I think it's going to rub off on his teammates in a good way for the offensive line. I think in many ways uh, the Bears were looking for kind of an attitude change, getting more of that physicality on their offensive line. I think Tevin Jenkins, uh, he brings that in spades there. and uh, It'll be interesting to see what they do, um, that tackle position right there. I, I think if you can play right tackle, you can play left tackle in today's NFL. Um, it's not really like I'd say like 10 years ago where you want your pass protector on, on the left side and your run blocker on the right side. I think today's kind of changed with that, but um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see uh, what are your kind of thoughts on that um, aspect of things with, you know, the left tackle, right tackle paradigm in terms of, you know, wanting your pass protector on one side or your run blocker on the other side. Yeah, I agree with you that, that, that that's really not the case anymore. NFL defenses are so advanced. Defensive coordinators are so smart. Uh, I saw a quote on social media recently from a coach. It escapes me now who it was, but I thought it was an excellent point. It said, when when building an offensive line, you know, you really got to focus on who your fifth best player is. Yeah, you can have, you know, if you have an excellent one, two, 
Uh, you know, you can have a great left guard. You can have a great right tackle. That's excellent. But if, if, if your right guard, you know, your weakest position is weak, then it almost doesn't matter how those two, how good those two players are because defenses are, that's where they're going to line up their best linemen. You know, then teams that take advantages of mismatches nowadays more than ever before. So I would agree with you that it really is no, no such thing anymore as having your best pass protector at left tackle, run blocker at right tackle. If your right tackle is not a good pass protector, that's where the best edge rusher is going to line up. That's where defenses are going to move. Why are they going to put them on the left, uh, have them line up over the left tackle when that's an excellent pass protector when the right one is no good? Right. So that, that, that's what you really got to focus on. You got to create that balance. You got to have a good offensive line, but you got to make sure that your fifth guy, uh, you know, of course, there's always going to be a fifth guy. That's the weakest, right? That's just how it works, but you got to make sure he's not that weak because teams will take advantage of that. Yeah, absolutely. You want two strong pass blockers, I believe on, on your tackle position. I think that's something that we're going to be emphasized more in the drafts as we go forward here. That kind of brings me to actually my next question here um, as, re- as it relates to the bears, um, and, you know, the Bears, they invested in another offensive lineman in this draft in the fifth round in Larry Borum. Uh, the Bears under Ryan Pace, general manager, have had a really good track record on day three of finding contributors and even long-term starters uh, on the third day of the draft. So out of the five day three picks that the Bears made, who do you think has the best chance of making a day one impact uh, for this team? And, and, you know, even long-term wise, who do you think has the best chance of being a long-term starter uh, out of those five? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to praise a guy that I, I know I already praised a little, but Thomas Graham to me, and, and from what I hear, the early reports have been good there. They love the attitude in Chicago that he has. They, they love him as a prospect and as a player. I think he's going to make the biggest impact. I think he's such a smart corner, uh, understands how to play the position at such a high level. Uh, I'm fully expecting him to develop into a quality player, a guy that we will look back on three years from now and say, man, every team slept on this kid. He did not get a lot of attention throughout the pre-draft process. Let's be, you know, he wasn't fun to talk about, right. Coming from Oregon, um, uh, not being a a crazy athlete. We saw a lot of guys put up these, you know, eye popping numbers uh, at the pro day that that wasn't exactly Thomas Graham jr. But he just plays the position at a high level. When you turn the tape on and you watch him, it's a lot of fun to, to, to do that because he's such a technician. Right. He, he's so good at route recognition. He can play man coverage. He can play zone coverage. I'm a big fan of his game. And you talked about the old line in there, Larry Borum. One thing I'll say about him is uh, being a day three guy. I think he's going to play in the league for a long time. I don't know that he you know, develops into a quality starter. But anytime you got a day three guy that can just simply help be a depth guy, stay in the league, play multiple positions, be versatile. That's Larry Borum. You know, he's coming from a program at Missouri. Um, that that is he's been very well coached there uh, at Missouri very well coached and, and they turn out offensive linemen at a pretty effective rate he's got a lot of experience under his belt he played multiple positions there at Missouri so I'm a, I was a big fan of that pick and I think he's going to be in the NFL for a very long time let's talk Green Bay here I mean because Brian Gutenkiss this was his fourth draft with the Bears or I'm sorry, with the Packers, but what's what have your thoughts been on the Packers draft over the last couple of years? And do you think that the supporting cast that they've assembled just through the draft under Matt LaFleur and Newtonkiss, is that going to be enough to support Jordan Love in case Aaron Rodgers is not back? No, I mean, I, I don't know that, you know, the thing is Jordan Love's still a bit of an unknown, right? So it, it's tough to answer that question. We haven't really seen him play in the NFL. I will say that I was high on Jordan Love as a prospect, 
I understood how, you know, the ceiling was, was so incredibly high. I understood why a team was going to take him in the first round. I never thought that that was a great idea for the Green Bay Packers to take him where they did. I mean, they, they could have drafted a receiver right there. And they didn't really, I don't think they took a receiver in that class at all last season, right? Or they waited till day three. So I never loved that pick. I thought they could have done a better job supporting uh, Aaron Rodgers with that pick and last year's draft. And, and they didn't do a good enough job of that as, at all. And it's now kind of reached a boiling point, it seems, the relationship there. Uh, of course, Devontae Adams is an unbelievable receiver, the best in the NFL, uh, in my opinion. You've got a, a, some great running backs there in, in Aaron Jones. And I like A.J. Dillon uh, as a change of pace guy as your number two as well. So I think the, the running backs are really good. You obviously have an excellent number one receiver. I don't think there's enough depth there uh, at, at receiver. I know Alan Lazard you know, has done some things, and, and Marcus Feldes-Scantling has done some things as well. Tunyon exploded. is a big-time red zone target, so that's an interesting weapon. But if they lose Aaron Rodgers, and, and, and it's looking like that that may be the case, then you'd have to think that they're probably in uh, quite a bit of trouble. Yeah, it's just interesting to kind of follow this develop this uh, I guess conflict between Aaron Rodgers and Gutenkunz as it has developed over the past I don't know year or so since they drafted Jordan Love. I know Aaron Rodgers he went on uh, ESPN he mentioned that it wasn't about the Jordan Love pick, but uh, you'd have to assume that it plays a role in it just because just because of the I guess philosophical strategy that Gutenkunz has had in building this team over the past couple of years. It really seems like with their drafts that they've been looking forward more towards building for the future rather than trying to find day one impact in the present. Um, do you agree with that assessment or what do you think their, you know, approach has been with these last few drafts? Because it feel, it felt like after, you know, they were really aggressive in previous drafts with, you know, you talk about the trade up for Jair Alexander, I think in 2018 that was, and then uh, the trade up for Donald Savage in 2019 uh, over the past couple of years, they've been a lot more content at looking at the future and, you know, trying to build the team for a few years down the road, it seems like. Uh, what are your thoughts on that approach that they've kind of had uh, with their previous drafts here? You know, when, when I look at this most recent class, I thought they should have uh, done more, uh, made a bigger attempt to maybe move up a couple picks and try to get Rashad Bateman there. I, I think that would have been a great fit for them. I was a little surprised. I know that was a popular choice among Packers fans in mock drafts that they really wanted Bateman. So not being able to get him, uh, I, I would have liked to see them do that. Although I will say Eric Stokes, um, and I did, and I went on multiple radio shows, multiple podcasts leading up to the draft. And I talked about Eric Stokes being a first round pick. I made the prediction that he would be a first round pick. And I thought there was good reason for him to be, to be, to be a first round pick. So that pick didn't surprise me as much as it surprised others. And I know some people are, are, are talking down on it, but for me, my personal evaluation that's where I had Stokes going. I thought he was worthy of being a first-round pick. Um, you know, what, 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 one receiver in this draft, right? Amari Rodgers in the third round. Now, they did move up for him, right? They moved up, I believe, from 92 to 85 in a trade with the Tennessee Titans uh, to move up to take Rodgers. I do really love that landing spot. Uh, I cover the Titans, obviously. You know, Matt LaFleur used to coach there in Tennessee. So the, and, and the Titans have kind of kept the offensive scheme in place. There are a lot of similarities between what Green Bay runs on offense and what Tennessee runs on offense. And I thought Rodgers would have been a good fit for Tennessee, you know, based on the scheme. I was a little surprised when they moved out there and traded that to Green Bay and Green Bay goes and gets him because, you know, same thing. I love the scheme fit there for Amari Rodgers in Green Bay. So I think that could be a guy that's going to, that can be a big time weapon for them this coming season. And I'm excited to see how that plays out. And if Aaron Rodgers stays there, 
which I mean, who, who knows at this point, it's not looking great, but you never know. Uh, I have a feeling that he's going to quickly develop some great chemistry in Amari Rogers because he's such a great fit for that system. Moving on from the green Bay Packers. Now uh, looking at the rest of the league here, um, besides the bears and the Packers, we talk about those drafts quite a bit here. Are there any names that were drafted on day three that you think can make an impact from day one? Um, three names that really stick out to you. Hmm, uh, that's, that, that's a tough question. I, I will say in terms of day three, I really liked what the Carolina Panthers did on great uh, on day three. So uh, I may not single out a certain, uh, a specific player, but uh, getting a guy like uh, Davion Nixon out of Iowa in, in the fifth round, I did not see that coming. Uh, we saw Nixon going in, in the first round even, or the second round of a lot of mock drafts. When you look at him, the size and athleticism are really exciting. Now he's still kind of putting it all together but I do really love that pick. And I love the landing spot with Matt Rule. I think Rule's going to coach him up and, and, and get him ready uh, to be a contributor at the NFL level. Another guy that they took there was Keith Taylor, the corner out of Washington. I was a huge fan of him uh, because the size is just unbelievable. You know, he really has all, all the tools to put it together. It, it would not surprise me one bit if Keith Taylor, uh, Keith Taylor turns into a good NFL corner. Watching him at Washington was a lot of fun. As a matter of fact, I enjoyed watching that entire defense. And there's a reason they sent so many guys to the league in this draft class. A couple of them opted out of 2020, but having guys like Keith Taylor, Elijah Molden, Levi Almuzarike, uh, Joe Tryon, that was such a fun defense to watch, coached by the excellent Jimmy Lake. Taylor's a guy that really impressed at the Senior Bowl, and I'm a huge fan of his. And also Deontay Brown, you know, the guard out of Alabama. You know, I, I knew that Brown wouldn't be on every single draft board because he's that phone booth type guard, right? He's not an excellent uh, athlete. He doesn't do well uh, when it comes to moving laterally. So that was going to take him off the board for some teams, but I still expected him to go a lot earlier than the sixth round, you know, getting him at 193rd overall, uh, I thought was, was excellent value for the Carolina Panthers. And I expect Brown is a guy uh, that can quickly turn into a starter at the NFL level, especially in that system that they run there in Carolina. I also like receiver Shy Smith that they got there in South Carolina, out of South Carolina there in Car with the Panthers. So uh, I, I think the Panthers had the best day three of any team in the draft. So let's talk best and worst draft classes because Chicago, obviously they got two top 20 plays, but outside of the bears, who were some teams that had the best draft classes and then maybe some draft classes that you thought underwhelmed. Yeah. So I would definitely, again, have the bears and the Panthers up there. Uh, when it comes to some of the best classes uh, in this draft. Uh, another one, and because we've talked about those, another one that I'll mention is the New York Jets. Although Zach Wilson was my QB4, and I'm not, you know, I'm not convinced that that was the right pick for them. I, I do kind of love everything else they did. You know, moving up to get Elijah Vera Tucker at 14th overall, I thought was a terrific choice and a terrific pick. Uh, that's a guy that could start on your O-line immediately. Don't look now, but I think the Jets are building something pretty special on the O-line, which is key for, a, you know, I, I hate to say rebuilding because it feels like they've been doing that for a while. But you are rebuilding when you, when you draft a quarterback and, and you have a new head coach. Uh, building an offensive line, I think, is so critical to, to speeding up the process, right, of becoming successful. So having Elijah Vera Tucker, adding him to Mekhi Becton and what they're building there on the O-line is special. I loved Elijah Moore in the second round at 34th overall. Don't look now, but the pass catchers in New York are very exciting. Elijah Moore, Denzel Mims, of course, signing Corey Davis in free agency. Drafting Michael Carter in the fourth round was one of my favorite picks in this draft period. 
That was one of my top backs in the class. I think he's so exciting, both as a runner and as a pass catcher. You add him to this young core, and he can grow. He can grow with the Zach Wilsons, with the Vera Tuckers, with the Beckton's, with the Denzel Mims, the Elijah Moore. So I love that pick. I think Michael Carter is going to contribute for them immediately. You also look at even, you know, uh, Jamie and Sherwood in the fifth round. That was a guy that I'm high on, one of the toughest, most physical defenders in this entire class. He's a tone setter. And they grabbed another one of those guys in the sixth round in Hamza Nazirudin out of FSU. So I was a big fan. Brandon Eccles. I mean, I could go on and on with this Jets class corner out of Kentucky in the sixth round. I really love what the Jets did. When I look at the worst classes, the Houston Texans jump out at me immediately. I think they probably had the worst draft out of anybody. I mean, it obviously hurts when you're not picking early. And then what do they do with their first pick? Well, they feel like they got to take a quarterback, right? Because of the Deshaun Watson saga. And, you know, of course, his, you know, his, his investigation that's going on and him asking out of Houston, there's a lot of uncertainty there. So when you look at what they did, you know, their first pick in the class, having to take a quarterback, one that I'm not a big fan of uh, in, in Davis Mills, uh, really, for me, immediately gives me a failing grade uh, for them. And that was at 67th overall. They didn't even have a pick in the first two rounds. Now, I did like what they did with Nico Collins and Brevin Jordan. I thought that was good value there. But overall, they just didn't grab enough impact players. So if I was ranking classes 1 to 32, there's no doubt that Houston is 32 for me. Yeah, the Texans was certainly a bit of a head-scratcher because you look at it, obviously there's so many unknowns with their quarterback situation uh, with Deshaun Watson, just both from the fact that Deshaun Watson doesn't want to be there and then everything that's happening off the field with Watson – you just don't know how it's going to you know, handle itself out. But, uh, yeah, the Davis Mills pick was just odd just because of the fact that they're probably going to be drafting high next year to draft a quarterback anyway. So, like, why waste a pick on a quarterback um, in, in that spot? And I agree with you. I'm not the biggest fan on Davis Mills either, so that kind of hurts the kind of grading or evaluation of that pick anyway. But um, And they also traded up a lot to get Nico Collins. So, Nico Collins, I think he's got some intriguing traits to build off of here so. We'll see what happens with the Texans there. It was a very interesting interesting draft, to say the least, there. Uh, but our last question here, Justin, moving on to the 22 NFL, 2022 NFL draft, what are some of the biggest names to kind of keep an eye on here for the 2022 NFL draft as we kind of get started in uh, you know, the preseason scouting process here? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a little early uh, to, to get into that because guys always emerge. I, every time I get asked this question, I say, who, you know, this time, uh, you know, before the 2020 draft, who had Joe Burrow? Who was talking about Joe Burrow? You know what I mean? Where, where was Joe Burrow being discussed? So I think the edge rusher out of Oregon is a guy that really excites me. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, that's a guy that I can see uh, being the first pick in the 2022 draft. He's just got all the tools uh, that you would look for uh, in an exciting pass rusher. I think Sauce Gardner isn't first of all what what a great name right what a terrific name but that's a guy that I'm a big fan of I think he's going to be uh an, an excellent prospect I'm really excited to watch him uh play 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 this year as well uh the quarterbacks are going to be fascinating to watch and I'm, I'm talking about Ahmad Gardner by the way of course if you're not familiar Ahmad Sauce Gardner uh is, is who I'm talking about there but the quarterbacks are going to be really exciting to watch uh does somebody emerge uh as the clear-cut we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Number one pick. I would say right now, uh, there is not a guy that looks like is going to be that player, right? So there, there's nobody that has separated themselves from the pack. Of course, it's very early, as I mentioned, but who's going to be the guy there? You look at guys like Spencer Radler, Kadon Slovis. There are potentials, right? There are guys, Sam Howell. There are guys that could turn into that. Uh, but as of now, I, I don't think there's a clear-cut favorite. So I'm excited to start hit the ground running, uh, you know, with my summer scouting and, uh, and really looking forward to the 2022 class. I think it's going to be a good one. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting because the last couple, at least the last two seasons, I mean, we've had some, not necessarily a consensus, but we've had an idea of who some of the top QBs going into the year are going to be, like Tua, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields. But, you know, 2022 is a total toss-up because last year everyone was talking about, well, could QB1 be Sam Howell? But then here comes Spencer Rattler, and Malik Willis is another name that is really intriguing. I've seen some people comp Willis to – Lamar Jackson, actually. But, hey, that's going to do it from us. Thanks so much for being on, Justin. Keep in touch and, you know, hope to have you on again in the future sometime. And the pleasure was all mine, guys. Have a good one. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. All right, that was our interview with Justin Mel there. A lot of good stuff. You said, what are some of your main takeaways from our discussion with Justin? Um, you know, I thought it was very interesting talking about the Carolina Panthers there. Um, he, he really brought up some good points about how they really did a nice job on day three. Because, um, you know, I looked at the Carolina Panthers draft, and you know, it was a good draft looking at it. But it really didn't strike me how impressive it was uh, until you really started to go down the line of what they actually did late in that draft. Yeah, it was really it was a it was a great interview overall. Obviously, I mean, I've worked with Justin in the past. He does some really good stuff, you know. And if you're wondering, he has interviews with Thomas Graham, Tevin Jenkins, Daz Newsome. And then Charles Snowden Jr. But like my biggest takeaway was also the Carolina draft class, because when you look at Carolina's draft class, everyone thought that, well, they could take a quarterback at the eighth overall pick it was, I believe. But then they go down and they get um, J.C. Horn cornerback from South Carolina. And that's after they had traded and committed to Sam Darnold and they traded Teddy Bridgewater the day before. But another takeaway of mine was Justin mentioning the. Chiefs landing Trey Smith. And it's really interesting because the Chiefs are going to have a new look offensive line this year where I think they might actually have five new starters come in because they trade for Orlando Brown, former Bears right guard Kyle Long plays for the Chiefs now. I mean, they took Creed Humphrey as well. 
And then you had a guy like Trey Smith, who I really thought Trey Smith was going to be a third or fourth round guy, but he ended up slipping all the way to late day three. And Trey Smith, I really liked him coming out of Tennessee. And so it's just a major credit to Brett Veach, the general manager, as well as the head coach of the Chiefs, Andy Reid, for being so aggressive, building a um, roster and attacking a positional group. Now, the other half of that is also that when you have a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, a guy who can take over and be the reason that you win games, you are free to do with your roster and your cap space, whatever you need to, especially because Mahomes is under contract for the next 10 or 11 years, I think. But Ultimately, when you look at it, I mean, the Chiefs getting Trey Smith, that was great. I mean, Justin's right. The Panthers did have perhaps one of the more underrated draft classes. And I think that a thing to understand is that it's not necessarily about the players and the talent that you draft. It's also about your return on investment on these guys, because we may have a team right now, let's say, that could have a very like Green Bay, for example, I know we've talked a lot about Green Bay on this podcast, but we could say, oh, well, the Packers had a really bad draft class. But hey, what if a guy like Amari Rodgers or Eric Stokes, what if those guys in three years, we look back at it and there's some of the best in their position? I mean, then you could go ahead and say, you know what, Green Bay had a really solid 2021 draft class. So really when it comes to ranking these draft classes, there's the in the moment grades, but then there's also the grades down the road that you look at three years later. Yeah, absolutely. I think a big uh, key thing to emphasize here that a lot of it when we're grading these uh, drafts right now, you know, some of that is due to our own evaluation of these players and how we think they fit uh, for each respective teams. But a lot of that is also due to process as well. What type of process are these teams using to get these players? You know, are they trading up a lot? Are they trading down and getting a lot of assets to get their players um, you know, are they going for, you know, key positions early on and addressing other positions later? Are they, you know, forcing knee picks, essentially? Um, a lot goes into it here when you're grading and evaluating these drafts right now. But like you said, you know, we're really not going to know about these drafts probably three, four years down the road uh, when all this plays out here. And these players really make it know uh, who they are at the next level. So it'll be very interesting to follow this draft um, going forward here and to evaluate these players in a few years here where hopefully we see a lot of these guys really start to make an impact on the NFL as a whole, especially if you're a Bears fan, you're hoping that Justin Fields uh, is one of the bigger names to come from this draft. Uh, that's for sure at that quarterback position. All right, you say, I think it's a good point here to wrap things up for this episode of the Picks for Pace podcast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter uh, for all of our updates and you know anything that we do on our social media account at Picks for Pace. Um, get a nice follow there. Uh, you said, where can they find your work at the Bear Report and where can they follow you on Twitter? Yeah, guys, you can follow me on Twitter at Usaid Koshal. Check out my work on the Bear Report website. I actually just dropped an article on um, on cornerback Kendall Vilder and whether he could break out during the 2021 season. I will be doing Jalen Johnson as well as Cole Komet as well. So check that out and then just Keep checking the website, guys. Interact with us on the forum. You know, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast on all major podcasting platforms. Yep, absolutely. You can follow me on Twitter at AJFreeman25. You can find my work at the Bear Report as well. I have an article coming out sometime this week looking at the Bears' cap situation. We talked a lot on this podcast about the Packers' uh, salary cap situation. Uh, 
keep an eye out for my article coming out soon on the Bears cap situation, kind of giving us a little bit of a preview on what to expect, not only this year, but uh, 22, 2022, 2023, the next couple of years in advance there. All right, that's going to wrap things up for us here at Picks for Pace. Uh, make sure to like and subscribe on all of our podcasting platforms here. Uh, I want to thank our, our listeners for tuning in once again on all podcasting platforms. Have a great weekend, everybody. Bear down, and hopefully we're talking about some really interesting stuff coming from OTAs in the next coming weeks or so. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.